Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He leapt out of a plane at 7,000 feet with a giant bag of cocaine strapped to his waist. What happened next has become the stuff of legends. A federal investigation, a tourist attraction, and now a major motion picture. What happened to the real cocaine bear, and what is the legacy of the man who created it? This week's episode is The Life and Death of Drew Thornton and Cocaine Bear, Part 2. Up, bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, this has been, uh, we've got a good response from this. But I think what most people want to know is what happened to the bear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, spoiler alert, it's not pretty. (coughs) Yeah. It's probably next to, no, I think I'd rather have another bear attack me than die the way this bear died. Yeah, not an ideal list of symptoms uh, of what you saw, but the thing that came out of this is the movie Cocaine Bear, but I also saw, I don't know if. I I mean to go ahead and say I doubt it's by Elizabeth Banks, but I saw that there's cocaine shark. There's more kind of like we saw with Sharknado. There's going to be some, I think, some. Here we go. Yeah. Well, if they're if they're needing someone to star in Cocaine Pig, I got somebody (laughs) for them. (laughs) You have Cocaine Pig. They have to switch it up, though. I want to see like Marijuana Megalodon. Cocaine bear. We can have uh, Ketamine Pig. I don't know. Uh, She needs to chill out. Meth monkey. Yeah. There's there's a lot of drugs out there and there's a lot of animals, so the possibilities yeah. are infinite. The amount of drugs that they talk about smuggling as we'll get into kind of why Drew Thornton was doing what he was doing and what all he had access to. And it's even that was gonna not even be enough to to satiate the craving that that they had for illicit drugs, especially for cocaine in in this era in the nineteen eighties. They just said that while they hadn't seen that much cocaine in Knoxville that plenty of it was coming over and it was as fast as they could import it it was getting it was getting used people people like cocaine yeah i mean when you deal in a powerful addictive drug i think that's the deal is that you you know that you have a built-in market and that's why it's all very illegal and the federal government tried their best to stop him i think another powerful drug is money and when yeah. you see that it's just coming in hand over fist you don't even know where to do it. I mean, you're just stacking it up in your house because you can't deposit it anywhere. It's hard to walk away from that, even though you might have millions of dollars, just like the drug. You're chasing that high. Yeah. Then for him, too, I think he liked the money and he loved feeling like he was like Mr. James Bond. It's so cool. You're like, all right, you were come on now. For Drew, I think it was 
a lot of it was that not even driven by money as much as the lifestyle, the thrill, the adrenaline rush that he that he got from it. You got to choose stuff, though, that isn't going to end up like this. You know, go sky regular skydiving. Yes. Bungee jumping. Shark diving. You can't the shark with the GoPro on your helmet right up next to it. You could. What are some other adrenaline junkie things? Four wheeling. Is that one? (laughs) That's a milder version. But, you know, you can make anything extreme if you try hard enough. I like it. You're like, if you want some adventure, go four wheeling. All right. Why are you you messing with the drug running? You could have got you a four wheeler. It'd have been fun. We'd all had a good time. Have you tried two Uh, wheels? Let me introduce you to four. Shit gets double crazy. It was hard enough for me to manage, too. I don't know about four-wheelers, but I sure did like a go-karting is a fun one. Base jumping. I mean, there's so many. He could go hiking. We went hiking. And, the, know, the adrenaline rush of hi- of walking up a mountain. Some of it. Just, I mean, I'm sure people that climb like that really mountain climb, you know, that's different than how I hike, which is yeah, just yeah. a casual stroll on a flat piece of land through the forest. With a lot of stopping for breathing, yeah, at yeah, least yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. I'm like, let's take a minute. There's let's a take a minute. And you just want to enjoy nature, Heather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That also, <laughs> I also have asthma. I can't catch my <laughs> breath right now. Uh, but there's plenty, you know, there's the outdoors. I don't know why he chose this life of crime, but he could have. There's so much to see in the United States. Like you could, you don't have to fly all the way to Columbia. No. You had a pilot's license. You could have been like, I'm going to go fly to the Grand Canyon. I'm going to fly to the Rocky Mountain. You could have flown anywhere, and you chose instead to smuggle drugs. I. It's a choice I'll never understand. What is it saying when op- opportunity meets preparation? That's one of them. What? But what is it equal? Success. <laughs> is that what it is? I think Success so. I think e- is when opportunity meets what did i say preparation Preparation. (laughs) so uh, i think the opportunity of joining the police force and being offered hey we got this illegal thing we're doing and you can make a lot of money on the side and then that also lines up with the you know uh james bond type of life he wanted to lead it was too good to pass up you can't fly too close to the sun. Get your four-wheeler, travel the country. That's not what we're in doing. a Cessna strapped with cocaine. No, no, that's not the way to end that. I think just travel the country and meet new people, see peculiariums, see <laughs> rivers you've never seen before. There's just so much. The more I follow like national parks and stuff on Instagram and the more that we travel around, I'm like, there's so much beauty that we haven't even discovered that's not just in our own backyard, but in within a pretty quick travel trip. May I take a brief moment to discuss Island of the Sea Wolves? Oh, please. Yes. Speaking of beauty, I, that's real near us. <laughs> I'm now on my third time watching it because we showed some of it to Ella and Simon. And so now every night before bed, we watch like 30 minutes of it. It's narrated by Will Arnett, who Mm-mm. can he tell me everything I need to know in my life? I'm telling you what I tell you the other night. <laughs> You just, I said, Will Arnett pulled you right up close and was like, take your panties off. <laughs> you would do it. You would do it. You Without would do question. It. His voice is phenomenal. It's so he's good. He's great in Murderville. He's so good in Murderville, oh, yeah. too. Well, he's great in this, and the it's a three-episode series about Vancouver Island and the wildlife 
and ocean and everything there. And it is phenomenal. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Netflix. So gorgeous, stunning. Ella goes, is this a real place? And I said, <laughs> right? yeah, right? Because it seems like a work of fiction. It is just so gorgeous. How they got this footage, I don't know. But my God, it should win every award. And she said, do people live here? And I said, I, I think so. I don't. I honestly don't know. <laughs> I know a lot of bears and fish and wildlife live there. People, I'm assuming at least a couple people live on the island. And I think I'm sure reasonably nearby. I mean, close enough to get there, close enough to see it. And I don't think that the island is just beautiful. I'm sure the surrounding area is like a concentric circle of beauty around there. It's wild, the kind of stuff that's contiguous to us. I mean, we could drive there in a road trip if we needed to. It's, uh, well, the island, we'd have to take a plane at some Ferry, point. Ferry, maybe. Yeah, a ferry, perhaps. Yeah, it's, uh, check it out. It's, if you want to see some healthy bears that are living their best life and not mm-hmm. all coked up, then check out Island of the Seawolves. Yeah, I have to. I definitely have to watch it because you've told me about it now. Now telling me on the air too. I want to see the sea wolves and the bears, and I want to go to Vancouver. I want to go. I want to go everywhere, and that's part of the benefit of this job is we can go to a lot of places. But uh, I don't know that they're going to let us do a full moon energy show on the island of the sea wolf. Um, these sea wolves have big full moon energy, and do so do the the otters and the sea lions there's walruses there's foxes Dang. anything you can think of it's just there's a menagerie voice <laughs> when you go welcome to sea wolf island you're like <laughs> we're here <laughs> oh man we'll have to go well where are we going to be traveling in just a week oh my gosh so soon we're going to be on april 19th we're going to be in denver colorado on April 20th, we'll be in Salt Lake City. And if you, we've been getting some great suggestions so far on cool places to check out. Shortly thereafter, we'll be in Austin, Texas on April 27th. And then Houston, Texas on May 3rd. And we'll be in San Francisco June 7th, Los Angeles June 9th. And our new dates, we're going to be in Boston July 19th, Brooklyn July 20th, Washington, D.C., July 22nd, Detroit, August 15th, Columbus, August 16th, and Pittsburgh, August 17th. So we got a lot of uh, new places to go to. Tickets are on sale for everything through San Francisco right now. But for all those new dates, you got to join the Patreon. And as soon as we have ticket sale info, we're going to announce it on Patreon and then put it up on uh, on the Internet. Yeah, you get first dibs on Patreon, including VIP, which sells out really quickly because there's only 50 tickets available but it is a super fun, intimate Q&A post-show where we discuss anything you want. We'll show you home videos. We'll talk about maybe conspiracy theories we didn't get to in the actual show. You, you could hear mm-hmm. bonus conspiracy theories. Right. And like, for like for instance, like when we were on tour two years ago, all the Murdoch stuff was cropping up. Well, we didn't have a space to talk about it during the show. Well, now we're in a Q&A afterwards. So cases, if there's case updates, we just got breaking news that Adnan Syed's conviction is being reinstated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we want to talk about that. It doesn't have a space for it in the full moon energy. But the Q&A, it's like a live Q&A we do on Patreon, but in person. Yeah. So anything you want to talk about. Super fun. And it's just a, it's a cozy little vibe. So Go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows for information on all of that. And we hope to see you at a show soon. I hope so. But in the meantime, we're going to travel to the Chattahoochee. Wait (laughs) on yonder, as you said. (laughs) Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. 
Son of a prominent Kentucky family, Drew Thornton had gone from army paratrooper to narcotics cop to lawyer to major gun and drug smuggler. His final ride was to be a huge haul from Columbia, bringing back tens of millions of dollars worth of cocaine. He had no idea when he took off that September night in 1985 that waiting for him back in the States were jets scrambled by the federal government, tipped off by a call to the FBI. Panicked, Drew tossed the cocaine from the plane at 7,000 feet, kept two bags for himself, and dove out of the Cessna 404 Titan, leaving the plane flying on autopilot and his passenger Bill Leonard, terrified and clinging to a parachute he had no clue how to use. But Drew's landing didn't go according to plan. He ended up free-falling and landing in the driveway of 85-year-old retired engineer Fred Myers. Mr. Myers told reporters at the time, Well, when I got up, I came to the window and I saw him lying on that rock out there and his parachute was behind him. Mr. Myers noted that the duffel bag attached to Drew's waist may have played a part. He told the Associated Press at the time, I got up to shave and looked out my window and saw him. It looks like he jumped out with too heavy a load. Mr. Myers called his neighbor, Ralph Johnson, who went out to investigate. Ralph agreed with the assessment, telling reporters, He had bags attached everywhere. Ralph called police around 7.45 a.m. Police arrived on the scene and found the body, the parachute, and the duffel bag. It was determined that Drew had died sometime between midnight and 3 a.m. Mr. Myers told authorities he thought he had heard a thud in the middle of the night, but couldn't be sure. Crime scene investigators opened the duffel bag and found 75 pounds of football-sized bricks marked with the letters USA. When they inspected the bricks, they were stunned at what they found. The greatest amount of the purest cocaine Knoxville had ever seen, according to Tommy Reagan, an investigator on the scene. And I would recommend the WAVE documentary. It's about 30 minutes long, but they talk with the two of the investigators, including Tommy Reagan, and they're just like, we was in the prime of our career at the time. Like they can they speak on it because it was this like, huge deal that's still being talked about all these years later. And to you can tell that they were they're still flabbergasted to this day that all that happened to them in their little their little area. And it's not like they sought it out as a bust. <laughs> it literally fell from the sky. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. They happened upon it because this guy ended up smack dab in the middle of Fred Meyer's driveway. What a scene to wake up to. You're 85. You're just trying to shave. You look out the window and what do you even <laughs> you call your neighbor? I guess this is what you do. Yeah. You're like, I'll be damned. Ralph, I think there's a man in my yard. God. Yeah, it's um. The pictures of of the bust where they have the duffel bag open and there's just USA written on these bricks of cocaine, like the true patriots that they were, just bringing <laughs> that back. But it's so bizarre. Do they tag it like that for funsies or is it really they have like a system and they're like, this pile's for USA, this pile's for Mexico, and they have to label them so they know where everything's going? I think probably the second one. I imagined it when I was, a, I never was in Girl Scouts, but my sister was in Girl Scouts. I was in Bluebirds. You were a Bluebird. I was okay. a Bluebird. It was like a Girl Scout, but I don't think it was as popular. 
I always wanted to buy, be either a brownie or a Girl Scout, but there was a lot of work involved. And I was like, I'm not going to show up to meetings. It's fine. I'll just wear my sister's vest. <laughs> but we had the, I mean, the garage for a time was full of these Girl Scout cookies. And you do, you start to partition off orders. You're like, okay, this, this partition over here is for the USA. This is for, and you just grab a Sharpie and start writing. I guess everyone has a system. Yeah. So that was theirs. Yeah. Based on the amount of drugs Drew had on him and the dilution percentages, dealers would have been able to sell what was in those duffel bags for anywhere between 20 and $50 million, or between 55 and $140 million today. Lieutenant Jerry Day told the Knoxville News Sentinel at the time, we never seen this much coke in one place here before. That's a lot of money, you know, from 20 to 140 any of that is an insane amount of money for people to have. And you, I didn't think about that until I was, you know, kind of reading about these assessments of, oh, what he had was like the Mio drops that you're going to put in the water bottle. Like you, he had like the, you know, electrolyte elementary, right. you know, like you have like the the very pure stuff that then you would dilute out and make even more money. So while he had a shitload, it could make that much more mm -hmm. on the street. Yeah. And that's, therein lies, well... One of the huge dangers of cocaine, but it gets cut with other stuff to make mm -hmm. it go further. And a lot of times you don't know what it's been cut with, which is a huge thing with like fentanyl and everything right now. So you may have the pure form, but what you are getting, it could be, you know, just a tiny little drop of that pure form mixed with a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, if it's in its how it is, $50 million, and then you can stretch that to even more. Yeah. Goddamn. I learned so much about all the dis division of drugs and distribution on the, I think it's on National Geographic channel. They do where they go in with drug dealers. And of course, everybody's wearing like a full ski mask. You can't tell who they are, but they'll explain like, oh, well, we're in New Orleans. It's Mardi Gras weekend. So we made sure that we upped our buy amount to this much because we know demand from out of town or something like it really is. It's scary to watch me. It's run like a real business. Yeah. But then the harmful effects on the other side of that's exactly what you said, because you cut with something just because it's cheaper. Is it going to hurt people who are taking it? Yeah. And even if it's not, I mean, cocaine isn't good for you. Just None a of PSA. Yeah. Don't do any of it. Yeah. No. <laughs> I've seen documentaries like that, Full Ski Mask, about arms trades. Oh, yeah. Also just terrifying. They'll let reporters in. I think it was a Vice documentary, maybe. I mean, they you can't tell who they are. And, you know, I'm sure... Anybody reporting probably isn't going to backstab them after they see what they're capable of. But mm -hmm. to see like the seedy underbelly of how it all works, it is 100% a business. And then I think the FBI has got a notebook out like, and you do what now? What happens next? <laughs> <laughs> they probably already know all that. But it may it's, it is crazy to me to watch it and be like, you're just kind of telling all your trade secrets. Yeah. yeah. We started watching Ozark and it's, oh, it's the yeah. same way, but it's about like money laundering. Mm -hmm. And they said they had an FBI agent and a hedge fund manager ex in the writer's room so that it's very accurate. And watching it, I'm like, oh, that would make sense how you do that. I'm like, well, I don't think this is supposed to be a lesson. <laughs> this isn't a <laughs> what season guy. are you on? I, I'm very, the very first one. Paris turned it on because something about the cinematography. And oh, yeah. I will say it's beautiful. It is. It's I just, very pretty. Maybe we're in episode about six of season one. And I just turned to him. I said, what is it about Jason? Bateman? Oh, and he's, man. Tell he goes, me about it. He could command Arrested Development just as well as he could command a yeah. dramatic show. The man is phenomenal. Yeah. We don't give him enough credit. We take him for granted. Everyone take a moment and appreciate Jason Bateman. He's also supposed to be a super nice down to earth guy that is just like 
a regular guy that made it big and is just cool. And I'm sure it's like, hey, Will, I've watched this Island of the Sea Wolves. It rocks. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Jason, I just finished Ozark. It also rocks. Let's go get ice cream. I don't it's know why friends. I imagine they went and got ice cream together. They definitely do all the time. Uh, Ozark's great. I have not seen the most recent season, I think, but it's uh, it's very good. Sinisterhood will be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Traveling at 60 to 80 miles per hour. Drew's body had landed face up and sustained significant damage in the fall. He had bitten through his lower lip and broken all bones in his spine as well as all his ribs. His ultimate cause of death was a lacerated aorta and broken neck. Described by one officer as a one-man army, Drew was found carrying a pistol, two knives, night vision goggles, dehydrated food, vitamins, compasses, six gold South African coins, and $4,800 in cash. He was wearing a bulletproof vest and Gucci loafers. He also had several different forms of ID, all different identities. Yeah, this is a lot to just have strapped to you. I think the pen, he had. there's two pen, two knives. One is a pen knife, so you thought it was a pen, but you take it off and it's actually a knife. That's very James and Bondy. I think he would love that. Or Inspector like, Let me Gadget. Just, I'll just sign this document. <laughs> Uh, and then a uh, also a stiletto knife. I mean, he was ready. Is that a night vision? high heel, but then it doubles yeah. it as, as a knife? He's like, these are my Gucci stilettos. <laughs> Just kidding. Watch out. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, also, Inspector Gadget did not have knives. I was in my head. I was like, if this was like a modern day Inspector Gadget that also had a dark side, he might have that. Well, now I'm writing that movie in my head. <laughs> Honestly, that would be. If they can do it to Winnie the Pooh. Inspector Gadget is definitely up for grabs. And obviously, Will Arnett's the star. Oh, He's like, Inspector yeah. Gadget. He would be a great Inspector Gadget. He would crush it. Jason Man. Bateman, also in it somewhere. It's his buddy. His, his, uh, the guy that's like making the gadgets back at the base. They're working together. Is that how it worked? I'm just making a new character because oh, we've okay. got to write Bateman in. I think we've he write wrote, him in. yeah. And then they always had the bad guy that you never saw his face. You just saw the back of the chair with him petting that cat. Eerie. Jason Man, Bateman as the cat. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys. <laughs> uh, I would watch Will Arnett as Inspector Gadget. Yeah, 100%. Police also found Drew's membership card for the Lexington Fraternal Order of the Police, 1982, in his pocket in Fred Meyer's driveway. Even in his final moments, Drew was still perpetuating his enigmatic reputation. Also in his pocket were pieces of paper, each containing short sayings, 
one of which read, There is only one tactical principle not subject to change. It is to inflict the maximum amount of wounds, death, and destruction on the enemy in the minimum amount of time. Authorities searched Drew's apartment the day his body was discovered. Inside, they found a number of hazardous materials, including tear gas, four blasting caps, trip flares, smoke grenades, three ounces of a poisonous mixture of ether and nicotine, explosives like sodium and ammonia nitrate, and hydrochloric acid, which can be used in acid attacks. And I found this very disturbing because all of this very dangerous material was in an apartment that he shared walls with neighbors, not like his farm way out. Where the fumes might not drift through a shared vent or something. Right. Or you you don't know, you know, the maintenance guy comes in and knocks something over or something. It's just so dangerous that he but he had such this I'm a cowboy. I'm the James Bond. I can handle it reputation. I'm like, it's so when it comes to you're feeding your own, you know, adrenaline addiction that you just have no regard and no respect for the people around you. No civilian needs these things. No, I mean, do not. I, I, I don't know what he would even use them for, except it sounds like he wanted to just be prepared. Like he's he's kind of like a, a prepper, but for uh, yeah. shit going down with the cartel. He gives me a little bit of like, he wants to have it just to have yeah. it and in a way like have it to show it off. Yeah. Kind of small dick energy of like, look at all this cool stuff I have. And it's like, yeah, that's not impressive. Come on. It's actually dangerous. and You seem like an idiot. <laughs> and a good chunk of it, it wasn't even legal to have, but they were in addition to doing some drug running would also do some arms deals mm-hmm. and then scrape a few off themselves. So he got a hold of like military grade shit that no civilian should have. No, 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 no. After Drew had jumped from the small Cessna, Bill Leonard continued in the auto-flying plane for a few moments before he eventually jumped out and landed near Knoxville. He survived the jump, but the plane crashed into a mountain in Macon County, North Carolina, about 60 miles south of Knoxville, around 2 a.m. There were no victims on board or on the ground, and the plane's autopilot was still engaged. Investigators from the FAA found keys in Drew's pocket that matched the crashed plane. Well, that's probably the best case scenario that it crashed into a mountain and didn't kill or hurt anybody. Honestly, it's surprising that that, that's the only part of this operation that went according to plan. Also, Bill Leonard surviving, although he wasn't supposed to have to jump out of a plane. I'm sure that's not what he, he thought he was going to the Bahamas. Or did he? Yeah. At some point, you got to be like, this doesn't seem like a trip to the Bahamas anymore. How long have we been in the air? (laughs) Shut up, Bill. Lay back down. Yeah. Why didn't I have to bring my bathing suit and flip-flops again? But luckily Mm -hmm. it did just crash into a mountain and no one else was hurt. Also, I'm impressed Bill Leonard survived that. Having never jumped out of a plane or used a parachute, the universe was on his side that day. Yeah, they said he landed not too far from where Drew did and then, you know, made his way walking <laughs> where he needed to go. But the fact that that was his first go round, good for you, buddy. I'm sure Drew was like, all right, what you do is you pull this. If that doesn't work, you pull that. Okay, bye. And you're like, that was my training. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he was close enough to Drew when he landed to know what had happened or if he found out after. I think he found out after. I think he just... Drew jumped in and he was like, all right, I got to go too. Go too. Yeah. You have two choices and you're going to land one way and you probably want to land with the parachute, not the plane. You have a much better chance of survival, I think, jumping. And I think you have zero chance of survival crashing into a mountain. 
Yes, someone posted, a, I think it was a Washington Post, some article that in our Facebook group that Sinister had Patreon Facebook group that was like, there's too many people that think they would be able to fly oh, a plane I, successfully. Oh, I read that, yes. Yeah. And how <laughs> like studies have been done and people say, yeah, I think I could do it if I like watched a video and then uh, tons of pilots being like, there is a 0% chance someone would be able to do that. And then I read like, the all the problems that I had never even thought about. One of them was like, first, if you can even locate the headphones because there's a million dials and knobs and everywhere. I'm like, that's true. Like everything probably has like a little tucked away spot it goes and you're overwhelmed with gadgets that you don't even know where to begin. Yeah, and the amount of buttons on even a small plane, much less a you know a commercial airliner that you're more likely to be on a 747. Mm-hmm. It said that the study didn't, question anyone that was actually a pilot or who had taken flying lessons but the disturbing thing is someone who's never taken even one flying lesson being like yeah, i could do that yeah. hell yeah i could you're like no you could not i don't think i could i would try if that was the only option right try. yeah if i could i'm telling you if i could facetime my friend tim who gave me my two flying lessons that i've taken in my little logbook 10 years ago or how long ago it was that would be the only way and even then i would be like i know better i can't do <laughs> you this gotta jump. no way yeah When Bill met up with Rebecca at the Knoxville Hyatt later that night, he told her what happened. Rebecca later told reporters she had no clue Drew was involved in drug smuggling either and had only shown up in Knoxville as he had asked her for a ride. No charges were brought against Bill Leonard. Two years after the incident, Rebecca Sharp was charged on six counts in connection with the drug smuggling. Federal authorities allege she helped transport other members of the conspiracy and had driven to Knoxville the night of Drew's death, knowing what Drew was planning. They also allege she helped arrange the pickup of the dropped cocaine along the flight path. Because statements to undercover agents were found to have been coerced, charges against her were eventually dropped. Yeah, I mean, she was younger. She was a 32-year-old paralegal that was dating Drew, and then... She alleges that she really didn't know anything about his smuggling operation. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I find it hard to believe you wouldn't know a little something. You might not know the full extent, but I imagine you've seen some shady dealings go on. If you've been to his apartment, you've seen a bunch of shit that is uh, dangerous and illegal. Yeah. He's, there's just, I, I, I can't imagine someone that's this entrenched in that lifestyle. You wouldn't get glimpses of it, of being with them for, you know, a couple years. Yeah, at least some type of he had a weird meeting and I heard every other word or I heard that his half of a phone call. But she was charged with conspiracy to import 800 pounds of cocaine. So that was going to be a very. Yeah, she was charged with the traveling interstate so that's bad she drove across state lines and again that's more federal charges account of possession account of importing she was released on a fifty thousand dollar bond but faced 70 years in prison and a seven hundred and eighty thousand dollar fine but because undercover fbi agents dressed up first of all she was getting death threats from these the colombian cartel that drilled all this money to right he he chucked essentially 50 million dollars out of a plane and they were pissed off and they wanted their money because he was supposed to deliver it and the money would get delivered so because she was related to him they were like we're gonna kill you and so she knew she had death threats the fbi in fact told her hey we've got you know we've gotten word that they're really pissed at you at the time they didn't really know who bill leonard was the fbi didn't and that's part of the reason why he wasn't charged he flew out of that plane and kept his mouth shut (laughs) 
just smart kept walking just keep walking but these undercover fbi agents met up they set up a meeting with her and they're telling her and there's a one of the agents played a member of the colombian cartel and Mm. kind of did this whole act and she started saying stuff which her attorney later said she was just making stuff up because she thought she was going to get murdered that day she had been told they're mad at you then you're sitting her in a closed off room and eventually a judge said yeah this is a situation that was so inherently coercive that it's an involuntary statement that was compelled it's essentially not torturing somebody but you coerced it so those got kicked so her charges got dropped if I was in that situation I would say whatever I thought was going to get me out of that room whether it was the truth or not And that's what she did. And so Drew jumped on September 11th, found on the 12th. September 29th, there was a plane crash in Butts County, Georgia, that killed 16 skydivers and the pilot. And the guy that owned the plane, who also died in the crash, David Williams, was an acquaintance of Drew, was mentioned in her indictments as a co-conspirator of Drew's. And they said the NTSB did tests on the plane and and the wreckage and said, oh, the plane's gas had water in it. The Avgas had water in it. At at first, they thought it might have been sugar. And then eventually the NTSB goes, well, we don't know if someone purposely put water or if it was negligent that the barrels where it would have been, you would have got the fuel from had rainwater in them or whatever. But it was kind of this like connection to Drew Thornton. And was that a message from the Colombian cartel going, you were part of this conspiracy too. You owe us money mm-hmm. too. See what happens when you don't pay us. So she's got that looming over. Her, and then you got a guy with his arms crossed in the side of the room going, tell us everything. Yeah. I always oh, feel a certain type of way when sting operations like that go down. Because I, yeah, sure, maybe she was involved. But to get it out like that seems like you're not going to get the truth. But I feel the same way when like, People do uh, coerce people into doing things they may not otherwise have done, and then they get arrested for that. Yeah, twisting their arm and uh, entrapment kind of stuff. Yeah, entrapment. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. Despite being found with millions of dollars worth of cocaine strapped to his waist, court documents indicated Drew's net worth at the time of his death was $78,000, according to reports from the Courier-Journal at the time. However, other friends claim Drew had property hidden in foreign locations and died a multimillionaire. His will left his property to friends, long-lost associates who were shocked to be included, and a, quote, personal letter to his girlfriend, Rebecca. And that's kind of where everybody goes, okay, well, he gave certain stock interests or ownership in a silver mine, but he would give it to people that it was almost like a final fuck you. His will was handwritten and he was listing people that he hadn't talked to in like 10 or 15 years, some of whom said, oh, he was probably mad at me and this was his way of getting revenge on me is that I was named in his will. So now the government might think we're associated. I always wonder, maybe... Just maybe one day will I get a call. It's like, we're so sorry that this person has passed. They have left this to you in their will. And if it's someone that either I barely knew or, you know, hadn't seen in decades. But if you make a big enough impact on someone's life or if you're just a kind of a a pawn in somebody's twisted game at getting back at someone else there's a chance you get something left to you in a will (laughs) right you're like i get shares in the silver mine is it worthless (laughs) certainly but how fun i have these shares (laughs) but for some of the people who had gone on to become like legitimate politicians and business owners then it's like oh the man with a big ass plane of cocaine that just crashed 
listed you. So are you guys friends mm. or what's going on here? And then they're sweating. And I mean, there's a lot of public statements in the newspapers at the time of like, I did not know him. I am disclaiming this inheritance. I don't want it. But I do wonder what was in the personal letter to mm-hmm. Rebecca. And there was another personal letter to another friend. And is it a treasure map of where all of his real oh, money was hidden? Interesting. That's my theory. Sinisterhood will be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Lexington Herald newspaper received angry letters after it provided a eulogy of sorts to Drew and his James Bond type of lifestyle. Disturbed readers thought that framing Drew's life as adventurous and heroic was a bad example for kids. Meanwhile, Drew's family did not mince words. His father, Carter Thornton, told the Courier-Journal at the time of his son's funeral. He's dead. He's gone. He did wrong and he paid the price for it. I don't think anything further needs to be said. Fellow skydiver Dick Stoops described Drew's personality to the Herald, saying, People tell me he had three or four sides and few people saw more than one. And I think Dick Stoops would know. (laughs) Dick Stoops would know. Dick Stoops knows all. (laughs) Uh, His dad has a very, I mean, he was in the military, kind of no-nonsense type of attitude. Like, you make your bed, you're going to lie in it type of attitude. Yeah, and they wrote what they had written wasn't even positive, but it did show, I think it's vital to show this multifaceted person that when he would go and have soup with his family every few weeks, like he still had contact with his family, his parents, his siblings, his nieces and nephews. And the article talked about, they had family soup. They go, when we had homemade soup night, he would always come. And I was like, you can't turn down mama's soup. Did they say what kind of soup? Sadly, they did not. What do you think? Homemade soup. I'm thinking like a stew. Hardy. It's hardy. Yeah, Mrs. it's got to have like a- some some beef, potatoes. You don't put down your James Bond gadgets and pick up a spoon unless it's worthwhile. Yeah. It better have some some chunky stuff in there. You don't want just like uh, a tomato basil. I'm not going for a minestrone. I'd like a chunky stew. You gotta have some kind of stew. Yeah. Pot roast kind of shit in it. But his, I think it's really kind of sad that his parents, I saw this fun. He would go, like I said, he would play with his nieces and nephews. Tons of friends were like, oh man, you know, my car broke down. He helped me get another one. Or he would help, you know, just would jump in for his friends. And that can also be true, but yeah, he was also like mm-hmm. a fucking violent drug smuggler. And so I think it's important to show that, that yeah, people put on facades. Yes, and like we say, you can hold two truths in your hand at the same time. He was mm-hmm. a nice guy at times. He was also a huge piece of shit at times. Yeah, and I think that's what shocked people about, you know, Alec Murdoch or something where you're like, oh, he was, here's a video of him for the law firm talking about, I love helping people. Yeah, some people can 
compartmentalize and they can love playing with their nieces and nephews and they love soup day but then they're off tossing their friend bill out of playing going good luck buddy i would also show up for a loaded baked potato soup god damn that's one of my if i see a loaded baked potato soup on a menu getting it every time broccoli cheddar too but loaded baked potato goes girl now we need soup today i might have to get some Loaded baked potato soup. Paris is going to get home from work and I'm going to be like, the stew's on. <laughs> what? It's uh, 70 degrees outside. What? <laughs> stew's on. <laughs> it's how you get them. It's how you lower them back. Mm-hmm. Drew's ex-wife, Betty Zaring, shared details of the couple's relationship with the Washington Post after Drew's death, telling reporters... He was a philosophical, incredibly disciplined, extremely spiritual and loyal warrior with his own code of ethics who thrived on excitement. The couple loved one another, but Betty realized he loved me, but he resented having a wife. The final straw was when Drew was taking meetings with mafia hitmen from Detroit who had contracts on him. We both realized it wasn't a life I felt comfortable with. Well, I'm glad that you both came to that realization. <laughs> right? I mean, for and also like from his perspective of I love you, but this is what I'm fucking with now. And if you're not on board, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, and it was amicable, but I, you know, there's something to be said that at least she knew about it so she could get out when the getting was good and she wasn't having death threats against her. Walter White didn't even give Skylar that no, courtesy. He didn't. Damn. But... I have feelings for Walter White. So <laughs> just in general, I love Walter White. I, he's also a likable character. Did he's he do likeable. awful things? Sure, but yeah. he's a he. I rooted for him throughout the entire series. And what that shows you is the absolute genius of the writing of that show. That they can make you go. I get that this guy. I feel the same way about Jason Bateman and Ozark. Yeah. I feel like I get it. He's not. I think doing too great stuff. Uh, Walt, and I can't remember Jason Bateman's character. Oh, uh, Marty. Marty. Marty Bird. They start off as just regular good dads. And then shit goes down, and they gotta do what they gotta do. So you see this relatable, vulnerable, like, nice character, and then you follow, you know, kind of their downfall. But they start off really good. Yeah, and you feel like that could be any of us. Yeah. Damn. After the massive drug drop, authorities began searching for the bags along the flight path. Weeks later, police had recovered five bags in total, containing at least 370 pounds of cocaine. They also found clothing belonging to Drew in a Georgia pond. More cocaine was recovered hanging in a tree in the North Georgia woods. However, one of the bags remained missing and would be found by someone or something else. On December 23, 1985, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation told reporters from UPI that a badly decomposed body of a 175 of a 175 pound black bear was found among 40 open plastic containers with traces of cocaine in Fannin County, Georgia, just south of the Tennessee border in the Chattahoochee National Forest. The creature had deteriorated in the ensuing months, with GBI agent Gary Garner telling the AP The bear got to it before we could, and he tore the duffel bag open, got him some cocaine, and OD'd. There's nothing left but bones and a big hide. I just, it's sad to think of this black bear just walking along, doing its bear thing. Curiosity got the best of him, 
And then the next 15 minutes are horrifying. Yeah. And it's it, one more. It's like when you go hiking and you see some fucking asshole left a Coke can on the ground. And you're mm-hmm. like, this is not ours. But it isn't at all of ours. Or, like, we should all treat it like it belongs to all of us and treat nature that way. And I think whipping bags of Coke out not great. is not very respectful of nature. I would also like to say that that Coke can could be a fey hole. So just be careful <laughs> when you're picking up shit on a hike. Bags, <laughs> duffel bags, Coke cans, weird looking leaves, <laughs> mushroom rings, whatever. You People could fall into a fey hole. They're afraid of the cocaine bear. And w- <laughs> and we should be, shouldn't we all? But if you see a bag of cocaine in the woods, don't go up to it. Because at best case scenario, it's a bag of cocaine. Worst case scenario, it's a fey hole. Yeah, it's a fey hole. And they make you take all the cocaine and then dance for eternity. They dance Dunza. until you just collapse and die. I can't do it. When Dr. Kenneth Alonzo, the state's chief medical examiner at the time, did the autopsy, he reported that at the time of its death, the bear had absorbed about four to six grams of cocaine, or about the amount of four to six Splenda packets, into its bloodstream. According to Dr. Alonzo, There isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. This caused the bear to react as a human would. It first experienced heart palpitations, an increase in energy, then died of respiratory failure, cerebral hemorrhaging, renal failure, hypothermia, heart failure, and stroke. According to the Knoxville News Sentinel, Dr. Alonzo told the Associated Press, The bear does not account for the full duffel bag. The question is, what happened to that duffel bag? What a way to go. Yeah, that's a series of injuries and damage to your internal organs that doesn't matter what creature you are. That's going to be horrific, terrifying, painful scary and ultimately fatal yeah i think that's what gets me the most is how scared a bear would be coming upon that because that's completely foreign in the forest and you Mm -hmm. you don't have any idea what's going on you're just curious and then blammo your heart's exploding right and to the initial bump of it i'm sure it's like it's never had that feeling before and human nature it's like you put rats in a lab they keep going back to the bottle with the cocaine in it i mean it's a physiological response of oh i want more of that and it doesn't know the consequences of more of that and it's not a clinical setting where you could protect it from the consequences of more of that and so then you see this horrible tragedy and it just the idea of destroying a beautiful creature because of this human hubris and greed is frankly quite disgusting and Mm -hmm. sad do I still love cocaine bear? I love the concept that they've turned it into, which we'll get to. But I think we would be remiss if you don't understand the very real impact that that had on that animal. Yeah. And we haven't read anything of this, but if a bear dies because of that, it's then a bear carcass is in the forest for any other animal to come along and, and feed on. And I'll tell you what. I've learned from Island of the Sea Wolves, ain't nothing off limits, okay? That bear carcass could have been there for weeks, and some wolf or something's going to go up, you know? So some some scavenger. So then you think, well, did they eat, like, also cocaine or meat that did, you know? I mean, so, like, it could have extrapolated out and killed even more animals. Cocaine wolf, cocaine vulture. God, and then the vulture poops, and there's coconuts poop, and then you get cocaine bugs. This is how it's spreading. This is how addiction starts. God, in the animal spreading. kingdom, we're just dropping it all over the place where it shouldn't be dropped. 
That's a good point, though, because nothing, they're not going to just leave it. Animals eat carcasses. Oh, yeah. They're scavengers. Holy shit. It also, at the very least, decomposes and goes into the ground. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I guess cocoa plants also come out of the ground. So in its pure form, perhaps it's going back into the ground and and it's fine. Nature. Yeah. Following the autopsy, where the body of the cocaine bear was sent has been the subject of debate. Since 2015, the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall, a souvenir shop located in Lexington, has claimed, We got the real cocaine bear. In 2019, the shop's parent company, Kentucky for Kentucky LLC, even filed a trademark on the name Cocaine Bear for use in entertainment services in 2019, a fact that makes company owner Griffith Van Meer very, very glad, as he told the Washington Post in 2023. Well, yeah, I imagine you get a a nice little uh, paycheck with this movie being made. Yeah, I was going to say entertainment services, that encompasses a lot. And he owns a trademark that I'm sure Universal Pictures had to license. Good for you, Griffin. According to the shop's website, the bear, who they call Pablo Escobar, had quite a journey from the Chattahoochee National Forest to their storefront. They claim that the medical examiner had the bear stuffed after the autopsy was performed. From there, Cocaine Bear sat in the visitor center of the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area until a wildfire evacuated the area in the early 1990s. At that point, Cocaine Bear went into storage, never to be seen again, until he resurfaced where else but Las Vegas. The Fun Mall's website claims that country music star Waylon Jennings bought the bear and gifted it to a friend who passed away in 2009. At an auction for the estate, the bear was sold. Kentucky for Kentucky's owners tracked down the buyer who passed away. His widow eagerly gave the bear to the Fun Mall. For the low, low price of zero dollars plus shipping. Where he has lived ever since. Despite the fun and whimsy of this story, it's completely fabricated. Kentucky's Wave News dove into the cocaine bear legend in 2022 for a documentary. Wave reached out to Waylon Jennings' son, Shooter, who told the news outlet through his manager. Waylon Jennings never owned a taxidermy bear of any kind and never lived in Las Vegas, which some have attributed to this story. Well, that's Wayland. one way to take the wind out of their sails. Yeah, it uh, it's such a fun, whimsical story. It's just not true. It's completely false. And we had a very nice listener email us some pictures of her and her friend's visit with the cocaine bear. And if you didn't know, there's a plaque that says, you know, the whole the whole story and Pablo Escobar and you can take pictures with the bear. It is taxidermy like on all fours. It doesn't look like it's been on a coke binge. Unfortunately... That's another bear that they must have stuffed. Yeah, it's just a bear that they have called the cocaine bear, but it is not technically the real one. I'm not going to lie to any of you listening. I bought merch. (laughs) I was on the website to read the story and to get the information, and then I bought some merch. What have you bought? What's coming? I bought a fun little, let me pull up my shop app on my phone. Oh, no. Um, they offered, which I thought was a pretty good deal, like a fun little pack of all of their cocaine bear stuff. So it's not all of it, but a couple of small things. So like a patch, a sticker, a postcard, and then I got a 
shirt that looks like the, the college shirt from Animal House, and it just says cocaine. <laughs> it's the where like the college font, but it says yeah. cocaine bear. That's good. <laughs> Instead of college, it says cocaine bear. But yeah, I got the cocaine bear party pack that comes with oh the party a, pack. Yes, it's a koozie that says "I party with cocaine bear." A cocaine bear for president button, a sticker, and a patch plus a little postcard. Well, you love a koozie, so I love a. I got a koozie right now. I'm, I'm got my Cowboys koozie. Oh, so. nice. Sinisterhood will be right back. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As if that weren't bad enough, when Wave reached out to the authorities who handled the real cocaine bear, the legend finally died, just like the bear. Dr. Alonzo, the medical examiner who performed the autopsy, said when its remains were found, they were nothing more than a pile. He told Wave, We had bones and a little bit of hide and used them to give us an idea of the height and weight that the bear would have been. That also meant the bear's stomach was not packed to the brim with cocaine, as the legend once said. The Emmy added there was not even a stomach, given the state of decomp at the time it was found. Because of this, the carcass would have been impossible to taxidermy, meaning no one actually has possession of the infamous bear. Even if the bear in the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall may not be the real cocaine bear, the shop is still having fun. They sell, I partied with cocaine bear at KY for KY, t-shirts, as well as a cocaine bear blow globe, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> now this is what I'm going to be ordering. Yeah, you got to get a blow globe. I think of a, a snow globe that's a bear, but it looks like Coke. Sign me up. Why don't it's I already just- have this? It just looks like snow, so it's everybody's snow globe. When your children ask you, Mommy, what's this? You're like, it's a bear snow globe. It's a bear in the forest, and the snow is raining down upon it. It falls from the sky. Mm -hmm. You mean from the sky sky? Well, from an airplane. (laughs) In a way, it's from the sky, isn't it? The wild story of Drew Thornton and the cocaine bear have inspired several adaptations. Sally Denton, a news reporter from Lexington, wrote about the saga in full detail in her 1990 book, The Bluegrass Conspiracy. The book caused some controversy. Is it called Bill Leonard and Rebecca Sharp? Main players. In the conspiracy, despite neither having been charged with a crime. An attorney representing both Leonard and Sharp told reporters that the allegation was dangerous, not only exposing his clients to criminal prosecution, but that the cartel, from whom the drugs were taken and never paid for, may also be out for revenge. Ditton stuck to her story, telling the Johnson City Press that Bill's version of events, that he was unaware of the purpose of the flight on the night of Drew's death, was a convenient story. Sally expressed no remorse for her thoroughly researched coverage, saying, As far as their actual involvement and whether somebody would like to prosecute, I don't imagine anyone would be able to prosecute based on the evidence put forth in my book. As far as retribution for the lost cocaine, that's their problem ultimately. So how can she not be sued for defamation with things like this? Truth is an absolute defense. And perhaps 
if you didn't want to go to trial and have a bunch of evidence mm-hmm. of your involvement, which I imagine a very smart, thorough reporter like Sally Denton, and I listened to the audio version of this book. It's a riveting book. And this our two episodes is probably 1% of what's covered because we just focused on Drew Thornton and Cocaine Bear. There's a bunch of shit about Bradley Bryant, about all of Lexington politics and all. And I mean, she thoroughly connects the dots. There were these murders in Florida. I mean, just tons of connections. The amount of research and work that she put into that book, I wouldn't fuck with that. Like if Mm. she's not saying that just to say it, she's saying that because she probably does have at least enough to withstand a civil challenge, like a civil lawsuit. You don't have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And so I, I would imagine that uh, Bill and Rebecca, you know, you make a nice public statement, Buster right. Murdoch style mm-hmm. of I resent these defamatory comments, but you're not going to sue anybody because you don't want all the shit to come out in court. Sally comes with receipts. Yes, she does. Yeah. And they're very well written and interesting receipts in this book. <laughs> but it's one of those where you go, well, that's bullshit. And then you read it and go, "Ooh, she's got a lot in there, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we Let's- just uh, cut our losses. Let it go. And I think as far as charging them with anything now, you know, if the book came out in 1990, all this was depends on the how long the conspiracy was ongoing. But I mean, and and then this day, it's the statute of limitations is long run. Drew's story has also been the subject of an episode of Dominic Dunn's Power, Privilege and Justice, an episode of the FBI files, as well as a short documentary from Wave News. In 2023, the film Cocaine Bear was released in theaters. Directed by Elizabeth Banks and starring Carrie Russell, the film follows the white-nosed bear as it goes on a rampage through the Georgia woods. Jimmy Warden, who wrote the screenplay, told the Washington Post, What I love about this story is how plausible the inciting incident is because it actually happened. The film focuses more on the bear's perspective and what could have happened rather than the brutal reality of the apex predator's grim demise after that cocaine rained down on the North Georgia forest. Critics gave it mixed to positive reviews, and it opened second behind the new Marvel Ant-Man film. In its first weekend, Cocaine Bear made $23 million and so far has grossed $81 million worldwide on a $35 million budget. And that, they'd say that's a pretty successful movie. I mean, you made three times what you spent on it, almost. That's pretty good. You're getting there. Speaking of pretty good, film's pretty good. Yeah, listen, it's a fun wild. It could have been, and this is where spoilers for Cocaine Bear if you haven't watched it, although what's spoiler? It's a bear goes on a rampage in the woods. I'm not telling you anything. Honestly, the trailer gives you a taste and then you want to watch the whole thing because it's it delivers on the premise. It's promised that it's a, a romp. It's not quite hilariously funny, but it is amusing. I will say there's some funny more- moments. There were some funny moments, certainly. There were some more, there was a couple of parts that were more graphic than maybe needed to be, you know, showing like a hand that was completely severed, kind of like hanging off. It's real gory. It's real fucking gory. It's very gory. But that's what, as I think Tommy said, that's what you want when you see a monster movie is like, nobody's safe. Everybody's getting eaten or attacked. And it's just always coming. The bear's hiding and popping up out of places. And it does a very good job with, because there's various players in the storyline, with giving them all a clear motivation, a clear something that they want. They don't really stand up as just props that get, you know, eaten. Uh, Maybe a couple of them are just kind of like, There's a plot line. There's a plot line. Yeah. 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 Somebody, and also- Ray Liotta's final film. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta. That's true. Yes. Uh, It's one of those movies that, like Tommy said, 
the whole kind of genre is each death outdoes the one before in terms mm-hmm. of gore. And it's like, part of it is like, oh, how are they going to kill this next character? How's the bear going to mm-hmm. kill the next person? Because that last one was so crazy. How do they outdo it? Trust me, they find ways. I got to say, though, if if you watch it for nothing else, watch it for Margot Martindale and Jesse Tyler Ferguson's relationship so and the good. dynamic between the two of them. I was those I was laughing out loud at. Margot Martindale is so fucking funny. Yeah. Like I she if if you if watch it for nothing else, watch it for her. And she plays the park ranger. Yeah, Ranger Liz. She's fantastic. She's so and good. Again, you it's a character that could have just been a cardboard cut out of a character, but they give her by a lot of things that they show. And early on, if you have any interest in storytelling or filmmaking, particularly watch that character because they do so much with giving her so much motivation mm-hmm. and showing it versus telling it. And then because you know what her motivation is, it's very fun to watch her be thwarted mm-hmm. at every turn. And you and as an audience member, you're like, oh, she's going to get mad about this. <laughs> and then she does. And then something else happens. So I think they did. They could have wasted her in the film. And thank God they didn't. Because no, she, yeah. Oh, she did great. I think that they didn't waste any characters. Everyone no. had a like you said, a, a clear point of view. They were all like there for a purpose. Uh, both of the kids that are in it did really well. I'm really excited that one of my favorite Instagram creators, who's also a stand-up comedian, and his name is Scott, and I can't recall his last name, but he he does those Instagrams where he'll be a role-playing as a retail worker and then say, oh, oh, really? Yeah. You're, you're going to come in five minutes before? Fine. Come in. We'll close the door with you in here. And the music always starts. Yeah. I love that he was in it. I'm like, put him in more movies. He's funny as hell. Yeah. I mean, I it, TikTok and Instagram is a legit way that a lot of movie people source their their talent these days. Right? You're getting into it. Well, I would say I would say if you like a adventurous bloody romp, give Cocaine Bear a try cuz I enjoyed it. Yes, same. Drew Thornton lived by his own moral code, one which few understood. Like so many others, Drew's former supervising officer at the Lexington Police Department remained puzzled by the way Drew's life turned out. He told the Lexington Herald leader why he spent eight years here, went to school at great personal sacrifice to reach his goals and then turned 180 degrees to smuggle drugs. I don't know. Everybody asked that. The only person that could answer that is now dead, having lived a fast and dangerous life fueled by adrenaline, power Money, greed, and drugs. Sinisterhood will be right back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So what do we think? That is That was a refrain that I saw in a lot of the editorial writing about this at the time was, especially from people very local to Lexington and to that idea that he came from this fancy horse breeding mm-hmm. family of course they weren't like mega rich but they did great they did well you know to the point where they could buy a whole horse breeding farm he went to private schools he wanted for nothing and i think it was 
it was mind boggling to people there who were like, okay, I can see that if you had no other opportunities, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to break the law to make money. I have to put food on the table. But you not only had a perfectly fine job as a, a cop, but then you also went to law school. You could have had a perfectly fine career as a politician, an attorney, whatever. But then to not have to go to illegal things because you have to, but to go to it because you want to was still to me is mind boggling. Other than yeah, I think he just had a he had a big old ego and thought he was this magical karate ninja from whatever and just wanted to look like a badass and act like a badass and didn't care about the consequences. Yeah, I think it was less about the money and more about the excitement and, and thrill of doing illegal stuff and getting to, you know, go on plane rides and smuggle drugs and do secretive shit. I mean, there's something to be said for that is exciting. It's extremely illegal and dangerous, but for some, that type of lifestyle is exciting and once he got a taste for that and having at such a young age also discovered these are the things i enjoy like adrenaline junkie type stuff that it just got in his blood and just like that cocaine you just keep Mm -hmm. chasing that high that blue blue blood you're right though because if he wanted that lifestyle he already had a path in law enforcement. You know, go be an undercover officer for the DEA because mm-hmm. th- that's an extremely onerous job. It's scary. It's hard. There's we watched a thing on YouTube that I think it uh, it might be Variety. It's one of the major like Hollywood trade publications. Uh, it might be Vanity Fair. They do like a real blank response to movies. And they had a real undercover DEA officer responding to depictions in movies and how accurate it is. But they also have him talk about their history. And I mean, he had to like join the fucking Hells Angels. Mm -hmm. It took like three years. He had to do all this stuff and there's member votes and all that. So you could, in theory, (laughs) go live this lifestyle, but just in a way that's hopefully a net positive and not a net harm, which would be this. Yeah. Because, again, if you go and read the the Bluegrass Conspiracy, I think Drew and Bradley, if it wasn't Drew himself, at least one of his very close associates, Drew and Bradley and and their third buddy, I think they were responsible for the murder of Melanie Flynn. I think they were responsible for the murder of another woman. They, for damn sure, were responsible for the murder of a man in Florida. Another statement said that uh, a, a woman was in the plane with them flying over the Gulf of Mexico and Bradley chose that time to confront her about that she was loose lipped or whatever and that he opened the side of the plane and kicked her ass out over the Gulf of Mexico. So I think the maybe for Drew, he was just in it for the adrenaline, but I, he definitely was associating with and at least stomaching, if not participating in acts of violence, of destruction, not to mention just the destructive nature of these drugs coming in the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, as we said earlier, don't do drugs. Don't do drug smuggling. Get your four-wheeler. <laughs> you got to get that four-wheeler. It's like we talk so much like about the one, the act of the selling drugs. Maybe that's one reason they can eulogize him in the in the newspapers because, well, we're not talking about, you know, a serial killer, but the harm that bringing thousands of pounds of cocaine into the United States that then gets distributed all over the world. You you can't even trace the ramifications and repercussions of everything that that, you know, of who that all that touches and, and then the lives of all the people that are ruined from it. So once you extrapolate that out, he's a huge monster. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's, you're, again, if it, not directly harming people, you're the catalyst. Like, that's not going to get there without you. Would it have gotten here eventually? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what it was going on in the 80s with all these private planes just flying in from mm-hmm. Columbia with guns, drugs, and whatever else on it. But I think you, individually, he didn't have to make that choice. He could have had a, a completely thrill-seeking, wild, you know, he could have gone, been doing base jumping or whatever, what was that documentary we watched about that guy, Free Solo, mm-hmm. you know, go Free Solo rock climb or something, where you're the only one at risk if you want to have this risky lifestyle. But in this case, he's risking not just himself, but everybody else around yeah. him. But at no point was I like, this guy is a philanthropist. He seemed very selfish and self-centered. Even to the extent of helping friends, many people said, yeah, but like he wanted a favor came later. With price. Yeah, yeah. Like there was always like, remember what I did hey, remember for you? that time that uh, I gave you my soup on soup night? Well, now <laughs> I'm asking for a little favor from you. You know what it takes to pay back baked potato soup? <laughs> Loaded baked potato soup? Are you talking never... chives and bacon bits and shredded cheese? They put a dollop of sour cream. It's Will Arnett for no reason, though. <laughs> In the Drew Thornton story, played by Will Arnett, we're going to have an, an agent that's on his tail. Oh, Jason that's Bateman. the guy. Ralph, Ralph. Ralph will be Jason Bateman. Drew Thornton is fucking Will Arnett. We got this. We're, we got it. We're, because we're they're on smart list together, we have to figure out a place for Sean Hayes. He can be Bradley Bryant. That, there you go. Oh, there you go. We casted it. Perfect. There it is. We've cast Duh. it. We still need to cast the bear. Yeah, we'll we'll take We're We're going to find a bear, but we're accepting auditions. Pedal can audition. The goose. If you have any... <laughs> Rambunctious pet. But you have to dress it like a bear. <laughs> yeah, it needs a little bear hat. <laughs> we will accept any applications. Email them to sinisterhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Please, yes, yeah. For our movie poster. Well, speaking of uh, emailing us, yeah, we got a lot got- of emails about places to go on our upcoming tour. I got a real hot tip on a good Salt Lake gluten-free bakery for you. So yes! thanks so much. Keep all the uh, the tips coming in of where we should go. But if you want to go to a show, Heather, where do they need to go? I've got a great tip. You go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. Get your tickets. We've had a couple of questions. So I say we take this moment to give a rundown. Because someone said, oh, I want to bring my friend, but I don't really know what, you know what to expect. Or, oh, I'm so excited to hear the local legend you're going to cover. Here's how it's going to work. The way we've done shows in the past was fun. We had a good time, but we're innovating. We're always going to the next thing. We're always moving on. We're like Dwayne so, Johnson, The Rock. Yes. We're always looking for the next best thing. We have to evolve like The Rock, not a rock, which doesn't evolve, but The Rock, which does. <laughs> and so as we as so we done have done, we're going to travel a show that we've written. And basically, it's about the moon. That's just, what's it about the moon? But there's so fucking much, you don't even fucking know. You don't even know. Just like, we don't know. You know what was just discovered on the moon? Tiny little fucking capsules filled with water. They didn't even know it was there before. Shit's Bam. getting found all the time up there that we don't know about. We're going to tell you about that. But there's also, there's true crime. There's conspiracy theories. There's mythology. Cryptids. cryptids. There's basically everything we cover as Sinisterhood, we have written into one show that has a cohesive thread throughout that is the moon. Lunar, but it's, it's going, I've had a good time. And the problem is, is there's so much information that we keep wanting to add to it. So every show is also a little different because it's a little evolved. If we get new information, like this new news that came out, we're definitely going imp- like, to add that to the show because it's new knowledge. So 
if you've seen it already and you're like, I'm in town, I might go come see it again because it's going to be a different show. Also, we're improvisers and we can't help it. So it's always going to have <laughs> a little bit of a different thing. So if your friend's like, what, sh- what should I expect? You can expect a hilarious night where you'll learn a shitload of stuff about the moon in a kind of a creepy, weird, macabre, spooky way, as we always do. And uh, it's a good time for all. And then if you get VIP, the Q&A, like we said, it's like a Patreon Q&A. Sit, hang out with us, talk about whatever you want to talk about, watch home videos, talk about the news, conspiracies, any of that. It's a good time. And you get a signed poster for included into the price of your VIP mm-hmm. admission. So, And you get a little bit of closer seating, but these venues, all of them, every seat in the house is amazing. They're great venues, and we can't wait to see you all. So for all of the dates, times, tickets, all that good stuff, sinisterhood.com slash live shows. Let's go hang out together somewhere in America. Or... Somewhere in outer space. Space. Or UK, Australia. Folks have asked. I would love to go there, but we got to share the show. We got to get bigger. (laughs) Yeah. We got to, we want to come to Australia. Trust us. There's not one part of us that doesn't. It just is a long ways away. We got to make it. We got to make it. We got to do it. (laughs) We're going to make it. We're going to do it. We're going to manifest it. Mm -hmm. Sinisterhood, Australia, 2024, and UK. We're doing it. Doing it. Well, now we have to do it. Come on, y'all. Sinisterhood.com <laughs> slash live shows, and we'll see you soon. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the rolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month they would like to see us live stream. This month, we will be doing our live stream March 31st at 2 p.m. Central to accommodate some of our international listeners. And what is the content? If I'm not mistaken, it is Am I the Asshole? Perfect. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month is tonight, the very day that you're listening to this episode, the 29th at 8 p.m. Central. So... If you're a patron, make sure you go and register for the event. If not, just jump on over there right now and there's still time. And even if you are listening to this after, all of them are on demand. You can ar- you can access all of the archive videos when you become a patron. I didn't realize we've done a live stream a month every month for long enough that there's probably 50 hours <laughs> yeah. on there. It's wild. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. 
So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. You can support the show fast, easy, and at no cost to you by rating, reviewing, and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Speaking of reviews, you can easily leave one by going to Sinisterhood.com slash reviews. Yours may even be featured on our social media. Have a friend you think would like us? You can easily share any episode with them by clicking the three dots in the top right corner. You can also share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. You can head to TikTok or YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. And we're also available on Cameo. If you would like us to do video shout outs, we can say happy birthday, happy anniversary. I love you. I have some good news. I have some bad news. I'm sorry. Anything you want us to say in a personalized video shout out, head to Cameo.com slash Sinisterhood. And we're happy to do it. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. I have a Twitter account, but from what you and Tommy have been saying today, there's no reason to get on there. And I rarely post. <laughs> if you want to check it out, it's Christy or GTFO. Same with TikTok. I, I I rarely post. But in the event that I do, go ahead and follow, and then you'll be notified when I make one post every six months. In the event that I post, <laughs> should you be interested? For sure. Heather, uh, where are you? Oh, man. Well, I'm mostly on the show's social media, but also on my own ish at Heather versus the world on TikTok and Instagram and the sinking ship of Twitter at MCK versus the world. Mm -hmm. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Michaela DeFisher. Cheryl Pierce. Daria Weems. Susan. Taylor Sealing, Jessica Lowry. Fabby. Tina Kane. Benjamin A. Clinton. Annette Marcello. PNW Alley. Catlin. Sarah Swinder. Nevessa Allen. Courtney Kemmerling. Brandy Arnold Cruder. Elizabeth Langill. Melissa Green. Jessica Helen Grimmer. Sarah George. Sarah Fullenweiler. Alina Piero. Diane Maroney. Unam Sadiq. Amanda Kennedy. Good Witch 73. Mackenzie Jackson. Jamie. Maureen O'Rourke. Heather Montague. Eileen Stuber. Kristen Jarvis. Maggie Morrison. Rihanna. Casey. Katie Burns Yoakum. Ariel McCreary. Justin Phillips. Aaron King. Devin Murphy. Katie. And Jalen Reed, thank you so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you all. We hope we pronounce your names correctly. We love each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Wahahaha. Sinister. Who-